Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. Ugly, ugly, uh, UGLY, what's the, uh, I don't know. You ain't got no alibi, you're ugly? Yeah, yeah, you're ugly. Boy, Chris <laughs> Presley bringing it, unlike the Colts yesterday. Uh, that was good, good work there to start this first regular season. Kevin's Corner recap. I am excited to recap an actual football game. Yeah. And um, I would say 99.9% of the audience, I don't know, there's probably one Seahawks fan out there, uh, they probably aren't very excited to... Uh, recap yesterday but nonetheless you have downloaded it you have decided to listen and so we will give you our honest assessment of what happened yesterday 28 to 16 the Colts lose uh, yet another a week one game that is now eight in a row and I believe 12 of 13 which is kind of wild too and that's like yeah final Peyton year mm-hmm. years here in Indianapolis uh, I'm Kevin Bowen he's Chris Presley uh, first off thank you to everybody that came out to beers with Bowen uh, great turnout. I know the parking situation with the concert over at Lucas Oil Stadium with Guns N' Roses wasn't ideal, uh, but really appreciate everyone that showed up and uh, awesome grand prize that we gave away. So thank you to Bullseye Event Center and Bullseye Event Group for that. And uh, everybody else in the chat, you know, I know we had a pretty good mm-hmm. um, turnout virtually for our YouTubers out there. So always uh, love doing that. And I know, Chris, that was your first time doing it in person. And um, it's just fun to get back out there and see people's faces, meet people, and have a beer and talk some ball. It is. It was, uh, like you said, it's it's different. We were doing a lot of live, stream, live streams during the pandemic. Uh, so we, luckily our digital team was able to still have us able to do a live stream, but then also be in person. So a little bit different, but great job for them. So many people behind the, the scenes that make that work. And then obviously the fans for coming out and listening was great. Hopefully we can do that again here. Um, I know we've done one at times, either during a bye week or you know, right during the playoffs or something like that. And hopefully yep. we can do that again here in the next couple of months. As always, what I liked, what I didn't like, we'll get into later on in the podcast. Good amount of Twitter questions. Let's just start overall, big picture. Um, Chris Presley uh, from Sunday's loss in the season opener. Halftime to go in there. Uh, into the press box, bathroom to pee. As I'm exiting the uh, press box, I see a uh, a rather high-ranking official in the Colts organization, and uh, behind, um, actually, I don't even know if he was wearing a mask. I, 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 who knows? Anyways, uh, that was shit. Was the direct quote from this person? <laughs> yeah, that probably sums it up as about yeah. as about as succinctly and accurately as I could. And I think if I would have saw that person after. The game as well, uh, that three-word phrase would have been, <laughs> been a little louder. Well, yeah, just nice little, you know, four letters, three letters, four letters, boom. Um, that was shit, man. Uh, I thought the Seahawks would win, mm-hmm. but if you're going to show me how Carson Wentz played, if you're going to show me how Rocky Seen played, I, I wouldn't have thought that. I, I wouldn't have thought, frankly, that um, the Colts got handled for the better part of 60 minutes, particularly in the trenches. And with how this team's built and everything that went into Sunday and the, and the stress from the owner on that as well. Uh, there's a level of disappointment right now from the fan base that I think is very acceptable. We will try and we will do that, hopefully, on this podcast to separate the big picture implications from this. I mean, we know it's a long season. Like, totally get that. But at the same time, you can be extremely disappointed with how your football team played yesterday. And I think you should be. Um, yeah, it's one of those you get amped up. It's like, oh, football Sunday, let's go. You know, And, and then like you said, you mentioned, probably going to lose. And I think most of the fan base thought, you know, Seattle's a Super Bowl contending team. It's, it's going to be a tough win. But that first drive, you, manip- you manipulate them down the field, take all this time off the clock. You're like, okay, is this how it's going to be? Nice. And then we settle for three. And so you kind of get your hopes up. But like you said, we thought we were going to lose. We did lose, but you still get your hopes up game one. Yeah, and especially I think when you haven't had a lot of home week one games. Mm -hmm. Obviously fans, full capacity back inside of that building. And then like I was saying earlier, I mean, Jim Mercer, he didn't mess around, and and rightfully so. You know, his public comments, 
or I guess private comments too. I mean, he tells the team the eve of training camp that pisses me off losing these openers. Text Darius Leonard at you know hours of the morning that I don't know <laughs> Kevin Bowen might have sent a you up text the time or two back in the day, and you know frequently they they didn't come back with many many answers. Uh, you know I don't know if Darius Darius responded to old Jimmy from the Colts there, but uh, certainly he didn't respond on Sunday. And how Ursay wanted to. And then Ursay shows up to practice last week. The owner doesn't come to a lot of practices. When he comes, <laughs> yeah. boy, uh, you know that uh, he's going to say something afterwards. So, um, one thing that also stood out to me, Chris, about yesterday is like, you, you ask Frank Reich. Actually, you ask Chris Ballard. Biggest belief. Biggest belief in how you build a roster. Biggest belief in how you win in the NFL. Got to win the trenches. Trenches, yep. Gotta, you know, got to be good up front. Offensive line play. I mean, look at how much they've invested in their own line. And then you look at Matt Eberflus, and you ask him, what's the number one thing you're trying to do on the defensive side of the ball? Not allow the big play. And those two errors, each of your biggest strengths or your biggest, here we go, we're all, you know, the Bowen family works hard. You know, like whatever this, you know, big kind of core belief that you have here. Holy shit. I mean, that got just absolutely roasted, both of them. And so that goes back to my earlier point of, like, why do you feel encouraged? Your two biggest strengths weren't there. Shouldn't they normally be there? That's encouraging. Um, Carson and Rock, your two, arguably your two biggest question marks, probably not in Julie Davenport division, uh, they showed up. Is that encouraging moving forward? Or right, like, yeah. They're not always going to show up, you know. You know. So you, you, can, you can look at it. Um, a couple of ways. I know we have a few Twitter questions on this, so I won't harp it because I've harped it for the last eight months. The Colts' approach to the seasons, um, to season openers, has, has not been good. Like, point blank. The Colts did not do much in the spring. Their players decided, we're not going to do that. And the team was like, okay, compared to some other teams around the league, the Colts didn't do a whole lot. They, they didn't even do offense-defense. Carson Wentz never saw the Colts' defense until the training game. Then you get a training game. And I, I don't know, the physicality to me, just about average, you know, nothing live by any means, nothing too crazy. Sure, you had the joint practices, you didn't play many frontline guys in the preseason. And like, you know, the definition of insanity, you continue to do this, it's going to lead to the same results over and over again. And whether it's losing a close game to the 1-15 Jags or getting your ass kicked in your own building like you did on Sunday... I'm sorry. Like you have got, it is no longer coincidence. You've lost eight straight openers, and I know it spanned multiple, you know, GMs and head coaches mm-hmm. and this. Uh, but I'm looking at right now Chris Bowden and Frank Reich and how they've handled off seasons. It's just been with too much of a timid approach, um, for for my liking. There, um, we always do this, Chris. And I'm a, you know me, I'm a huge believer in game flow. I'm always going to point to a stretch of the game where I feel like it turned. Okay. And Frank Reich and I were on the same page with this afterwards. Colts have a third and one. About three minutes ago in the first half on Sunday. RPO. Wentz um, looks like he's going to run. Then all of a sudden Seattle sells out. He kind of, I don't know, kind of like shot puts it to Pittman. Yep. You know, you get whatever, 10 yards, something like that. Uh, Ryan Kelly uh, whistled for illegal man downfield. So now it's third and six. You try the 50-50 ball to Mo Alley-Cox, probably more like a you know, 30-70 ball. That was great coverage by Jordan Brooks. That falls incomplete. Seattle gets a chance late half. They're in a second and 20 at their own 31 with about 50 seconds to go. You know full well what's happening there. Mm-hmm. It is. We're going to take one shot. That's it. We're going to take one shot, you know, play the Eminem soundtrack. This is it. If we don't get it, you know, we'll probably throw a screen on third down and let the clock run, make you burn a timeout, and that's it. The Colts at that point is 14-10. You know, crowd is still very much in it. You know, kind of back and forth game. Colts offense, it kind of stuttered or sputtered just a little bit there. The Colts decided to rush four. You rush four, you're Julian Blackman, you're Kari Willis, you saw the Florida State Jacksonville State highlight from the from the night before. Like nothing is getting a behind you. Right. Nothing is getting behind you. And as soon as Tyler Lockett puts that foot in the ground to fake like he's going towards a little corner out right towards the sideline, it was over. It was over. Uh, Frank or uh, Rick Venturi and Matt Taylor on the radio call, and Rick Venturi just you know says <laughs> during Matt's call, "Oh no, 
<laughs> yep. I mean, mm-hmm. watch that in the press box. I think I said, oh, shit. And, and you know, I'm probably cussing too much this early in the podcast, but whatever. Um, that was my exact phrase. I'm like, oh, like, oh, my, like, it's Russell Wilson. I mean, yeah. You know, you know full well there's not a better deep ball thrower in the league. Um, right up there with Mahomes, Rogers, whoever else you want to throw up there. And I thought that was the difference. At that point, now you're down 21-10. Now there's immense amount of pressure on your defense to get stops in the third quarter, which – they, yeah, yeah, they did. And then your offense would be perfect. And when you're playing the Seattle Seahawks team that, like you said, is one of the favorites, certainly in the NFC, you just can't put yourself in that position. When you mentioned that during Beers with Bowen, you, you said Wilson is one of the best deep ball throwers in the league, if not the best deep ball thrower, and it happened. Yeah, <laughs> and, and that was the pure bomb. But, I mean, how about the first touchdown to lock it? You bring seven, you sell out. When you're saying you bring seven – you're saying that seven's got to get home. Mm-hmm. You just you can't leave everybody in man coverage now. Now what a catch though! I mean, whoa, Willie catch. Mays. Now, if I'm gonna nitpick a little bit, you know, I probably Metcalf was kind of in and out in the first half. I, I would have to go back and look at that play. If he was out on that play, I would have put a corner on Lockett. So not have Kari Willis on Lockett down the seam, but still, man. I mean, that's just Wilson throws it perfectly to the right side. Knowing that Kari Wells kind of had more of the angle down the seam and lock it, you know, Willie Mays like in making that catch there. So, um, yeah, measuring stick game, if you will. And, you know, first test has kind of failed. And, uh, boy, you know, I said on the morning show this morning, you show Aaron Donald that film, he might say, okay, close the door and I'm going to get naked. I mean, he <laughs> might, you know, he, he might be, he, he might be a, yeah, he's going to be a happy camper watching that. Oh, yeah. Behind the eight ball, we know what the schedule looks like. Bought the Colts will lose. Didn't think they'd lose like that. And uh, now how you respond. And this team has responded well in the Frank Reich era. So I think that gives you hope. Uh, but, you know, Lord knows you don't want to start 0-2. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the AFC South is a gift that keeps on giving. But just to lose two home games, too. You know, yeah. That's definitely not, not where you want to be. But it'll be the underdog Colts against, uh, against the Rams on Sunday. We'll see exactly what that spread looks like. So we talked a lot about defense. Let's stay there just for a little bit longer in terms of what you don't like. And as most people who listen to this podcast regularly know, Kevin has what he likes, what he doesn't like. After a first loss, it's always tough because we go what Kevin didn't like. Let's stay with the defense. Anything else there you want to talk about? You know, I just I felt like there are a few too many people maybe offering too much praise to the defense afterwards. Um, you give up 21 points and four possessions in the first half. And... You know, I make this analogy a lot. It's like, you know, you got all your golf buddies that, oh, I shot 48 on the front, but then I shot 39 on the back. Yeah, well, <laughs> all the pressure's off, you know? It's like there is an amount of you just gave up 21 points in one half of football. Mm-hmm. You have put your offense in a horrific position to try and come back in this football game. And I go back to what I said in the opening you know, segment there. Your standard is not to give up big plays, and yet you do did do that. I mean, you gave up the biggest of big plays in the first half. Not only behind, we we know that big plays is like the throw, but even the Carson run. I mean, the Carson run. I'm glad you brought that up. Third and one. Um, Leonard, you know, gets pushed into you know whatever was Johnson County by a tight end. Okariki had a chance to make the tackle. No. And you need better from your linebackers. We, we, we talked about, you know, them getting dirty this year. You've got to be dirtier. Anthony Walker was that. And if I'm a team right now, I'm lining up and probably running against the Colts. And I know you might say, well, look at the safety play. Well, sure. But, like, I mean, Chris Carson, even if you take out that 33-yard run, Chris, I'm pretty sure he was still over four yards a pop. Um, or very close to four yards a pop. Um, that's too much for how this defense usually is. And I don't think we look at Chris Carson as just this – Whatever, you know, top five, top seven. But I don't think we look at Seattle. 5.7 yards per rush. Yeah. And, again, if you take out the (laughs) 33-yarder, that's, what, 15 for 58. So that's just a hair under. um, But you can't let that happen. Four. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, you can't. Uh, That was a huge, huge play there. Um, When Seattle says third and one, we're going to run in between the tackles, that should be a win for the Colts. You know, you've got Stewart and Buckner in there. You've got, I think, a defensive line in general that is more kind of run-centric. And um, that was a huge, huge issue. 
the, the other point I was going to make is like, I look at Russell Wilson's stat sheet right here. Passer rating of 152.3. <laughs> Russell Wilson has played 145 games his career. It's the second highest passer rating of his career. Really? Dude's been in the league for a decade. Decade. And just had the second, whatever you want to call it, most efficient game of his career and going 18 of 23 for 254 and four touchdowns. And this is where I just disagree with all these people. Oh, no, the defense played okay, you know, blah, 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 blah. Russell Wilson, 145 games, and just had the second best game of his career, and you're going to sit here and tell me the defense played okay? Like, once you give up 21 in the first half, you know, it, it, it's it's not throwing the white towel, but, hell, it's, it's pretty much waving it. And I just can't go there. You know, a lot of it comes back to, and I make this comparison a lot in my job, of, like, you compare the Pacers and you compare the Colts. You know, Miles Turner, whenever he faces big guys, am I expecting Joel Embiid to walk off the floor with 10 points and 8 rebounds? No. That'd be foolish. Am I expecting Russell Wilson to throw four picks yesterday? No. But I'm expecting if the Colts' defense wants to go from good to great, if Miles Turner wants to go from you know, whatever you consider him, a good rim protector to an elite defender in this league, mm-hmm. It can't be 40 and 20. It can't be 152.3 for Russell Wilson with a first-time offensive coordinator. Like, that, that is where, folks, we got to have a higher standard. They just gave Frank Reich and Chris Bauer extensions through 2026. You know what that means? That means that Jim Irsay thinks they're the best duo in the NFL. Like, if that that is the standard that this franchise, rightfully so, has created, we're going to make sure that we hold them accountable. To that standard um so in no way shape or form am i acting like russell wilson is chopped liver but again if you consider yourself to be a top flight defense in this league russell wilson should have a i don't know average game slightly below average i mm-hmm. guess if you're a really good defense um if you're truly elite he's got you know one of his 20 worst games of his career something like that so i just thought that was abysmal frankly um from the defense, and I go back to the big play thing again. Leonard and Okariki, jeez, and, and that second and twenty. I mean, dude, it's just they rushed four. You know, they they dropped seven, yep. twenty. Then yep. you can drop guys fifteen yards back. Like, you know, that's just boy. Um, I'm really surprised the defense struggled that much again because it's not like you know it's beating Rocky Scene and man down down a sideline no 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 it was where you consider strengths linebacker safety in particular so i know they played well in the third quarter um certainly gave their offense some chance to potentially get back in the game uh but you but you set the tone yeah you set the tone in the first half and that was extremely disappointing uh, considering the amount of personnel that you brought back yeah people texting me saying well it looks like the offense is gonna have to carry the colts this year and i said do you remember the peyton years (laughs) Have we ever been that great? I mean, other than playoffs, like this is what we this was the standard yeah. for so many years. You know, one thing I you know, have mentioned a lot on this podcast, but I think it's worth mentioning again is just you played the easiest schedule in the NFL last year, and I, I don't. I hope I never said it. I, I don't think I ever called this defense elite. I was always like good, but when you play that upper echelon, it hasn't been to the level that you needed to be. Um, and again, in no way am I saying you need to be holding these quarterbacks to 55% and picking them off three times or whatever. No, no, no. I'm not unrealistic at all with those thoughts. But you got to be better. you got to be better. And uh, I thought a very disappointing debut uh, for the Colts defense. Well, we knew going into this game, left tackle was going to be an issue. We also knew that Nelson had a back injury. I don't know if you want to speak to that, um, but the offensive line, really didn't look to protect Carson Wentz that well. Yeah, um, gosh, man, abysmal, abysmal. You know, Julian Davenport, I get it, you know, two sacks, totally, totally get that. Not sure why he's left on an island on third down. Don't really understand that. Um, twice, <laughs> both times, sacks, and just drive killers and momentum killers. I feel like one of the drives, you're kind of moving it well and mm-hmm. boom, and yeah, Nelson, you know, obviously banged up. You know, Kelly, Braden Smith, boy. You know, 
Brady Smith had some questionable days in training camp. I didn't think it translate to the season. It definitely translated to Sunday, for what it's worth. I haven't seen Braden kick Braden Smith get his you know what kick like that in quite a while. I mean, he's gone up against some big time, big time edge rushers and performed very well. Mm-hmm. And Daryl Taylor, I know he was a high pick, but for not playing in the NFL last year and that being his NFL debut, I mean, what he did to him on that fourth and two, that is, yeah. I mean, that's a fifth grader to a kindergartner on the playground. I mean, that was, oh, my word. Um, and, you know, Braden Smith is, you know, a guard first, and then it's, you know, he's supposed to have a little power element to his game. And, gosh, I mean, oh, I don't think Braden Smith has any children, thankfully. They didn't see that just because I mean, that was two ever going to, you know, happen. So, um, you know, Frank and Carson were extremely adamant after the game that it was a lot more on communication up front. Okay. It was early when I woke up this morning. I think it was about 4.30 when I dialed it back up. But I'm pretty sure my eyes were working. I saw a whole lot of one-on-one and Seattle's ones whipping the Colts' ones. Just one-on-one blocks. You know, I'm sure there's a little bit of communication that, you know, you obviously can't see totally. But it's not like I saw a bunch of free rushers or stunts that weren't picked up. You know, mm-hmm. and Smith have had that issue in the past. I, mean, I, I didn't see that. And Jeff Saturday, we had him on the Fan Morning Show today. He definitely was like, I, I didn't see that. So, um, it, but, like, at the same time, I'm not going to sit here and call, like, Reich and Wentz liars. Like, I, I feel like they said that for a reason. So I guess that's something just to note as well. But, dude, there are times where I'm like, you, is Carson okay? Like, he's getting pulverized. Yes. And they were – it was the most beat up I've seen a Colts quarterback since Jacoby in 2017. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking back to that Jacoby 10-sack game. Remember the Jacks? Yep. yep. Time? And you're thinking to himself, just literally get him an Uber and the whole back seat be an ice <laughs> and just send him home. I mean, seriously. Like, that. that's what – I mean, yeah, there, there were multiple plays where you're just sitting there, and it, it, it slow-mo makes it look even worse. You're like, oh, my God, they just drove him down on his throwing shoulder or his head hit, right. went, went back and hit the turf. You're like, oh, my God. We were recording this at 1230 on Monday, and obviously I'm not, like, predicting this by any means. But, like, if Frank Reich all of a sudden was just like, oh, Carson Wentz has got two broken ribs, I'd be like, yep. <laughs> like, yep, I can find about four hits that, 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 that might have contributed to that. So, like. Anyone debating Carson Wentz's toughness just foolish because uh, he got up. He one got of the up. one of the biggest hits, even in slow mo, he immediately just extended his right hand to the offensive lineman. Was like, "Get me up! Yep, here we go." Please, anything. Um, so yeah, I, I just thought the offensive line. How are you built, Chris? How is this team built? Mm-hmm. It's got to be a strength. We don't look at Seattle's D line as the 2002 Ravens, you know, it's not like we, you know, or Tampa's D line right now or the Rams D line or whoever else are these elite D lines in football right now. I don't think we look at that. Um, You know, I'm trying to think of what else. Okay. I didn't, I didn't like, I wasn't that mad about the fourth and two going forward 10 minutes ago in the game. And I know some people can disagree with me on that. Okay, you're down 11. We can do the math. You need two scores. Field goal, touchdown, two-point conversion would equal 11, and boom, the game's in overtime. You're at, what, about the 20-yard line at that point of the game? You had had five drives before that current series. One first down. Five drives. Mm-hmm. One, you weren't moving the football. So you have to score a touchdown at some point. To me, that's your best chance to score a touchdown. You're, you're at the 20. There's 10 minutes to go in the game. It's fourth and two. Like, you might as well go for it. You're going to have to convert a fourth down at some point. I'm fine with it there. Obviously, the play call and the execution, mind-blowing. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know what happened. If you go back and watch it, it'd be tough for Wentz to anticipate this because you certainly aren't anticipating your right tackle to get just literally thrown on his ass. But, like, he, he maybe had Pittman for a fraction – uh, a fraction of a second in the same direction as yep. Brady Smith getting thrown on his ass. Flip side, I thought he could have dumped it to Hines. Hines maybe would have had to make a move, but you maybe had something in that left flat. But still, um, where I kind of disagree with Frank, and I know there were some questions about play calling, I think, on Twitter. Yep, so yep. We'll, we'll get that there. 
Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines, they combined to play all 76 snaps. Like, you didn't have them on the field together one time. Like, that is, to me, is just like, I think that's such a weapon. Um, I was good with the QB sneak. Like, if you can't get a center quarterback exchange, you're not, you, know, yeah. you shouldn't be doing it. And honestly, Bobby Wagner, to show why he's in the Hall of Fame, you go back and watch that, Bobby Wagner starts slapping those Seattle tackles <laughs> on the butt, saying, get inside, get inside. Jamal Adams showed why he's a stud. He comes flying in there. Even if Wentz gets it, frankly, it gets the ball. He, he probably doesn't pick it up. But, um, you know, at, at some point, you got to be a little aggressive. And I guess that comes back to Frank, and I guess I'm getting into the play calling now, but whatever. Like, you, you couldn't have kid gloves on Carson. I felt like you had kid gloves on Carson a little bit. Um, how many screens did you run? When you just signed Hines to a three-year contract that was announced, like, right prior to the game. So, yeah. like you said... Let's see, let's see some different setups. And I that, and then I just would like to have seen a little bit more vertical. And, and I get it; the O line wasn't terrific, but it's not like the O line is giving up pressures, you know, sixty percent of the time. Like you had the ability um, to hang in there and and try to test some things vertically. You, you had two fourteen play drives, Chris, and you combined for three points. Mm-hmm. Like felt a lot like last year at that point when they kicked a field goal. It's just it's difficult in the NFL to sustain drives of that magnitude and punch them in. Mm-hmm. Penalty, a drop, you get behind the chains, and you just aren't going to convert. And you look at Seattle, four scores, four touchdowns, and they're all less than ten plays. Yeah. Like, th- there's just got to be an element of more of a chunk play. We saw the struggles in the red zone last year, two of four yesterday as well. So I know I'm probably getting way off the offensive line here, but um, that unit's got to be better. And And – you know, Davenport, fine. I'm not going to roast the guy. He was the third choice at left tackle to be starting for Eric Fisher. Yeah. You got what you knew you were going to get. Mm-hmm. Obviously, you guys know where the blame is. It's on Chris Ballard and just the ineptness of not drafting any sort of tackle over the past few years to groom for the position that you're in uh, right now. So, yeah, Eric Fisher, we'll see. Three practices last week. It's three more enough this week. Um, that should help him. It's only week one. We got 17 weeks. Let's not jump off the deep end just yet. And you mentioned kid gloves with Carson Wentz, but actually, fairly good game considering the lack of practices that he had with this Colts offense. Yeah, you know, I, I thought he'd have more struggles than, than he did. You know, I made that very clear. I thought the, um, you know, lack of practices would lead to him having a little bit more inconsistency. Now, some might argue, well, maybe some of that communication issue that Frank and Hemmer were talking about was because of the lack of practice. You know, if he practices more. Do him and Ryan Kelly get that quarterback exchange? It looked like from the replay, all on wins. It looked like Kelly, you know, stuck it where he where he needed it to. Um, boy, that sounded great. Um, <laughs> and Carson Wentz got hit. How many was it? Ten? Three sacks. Three sacks. Seven hits. Ten times. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Jim Iello. Shout out Jim Iello. That star is really going to miss him. I think he's an unbelievable. Yeah, congrats uh, to him. Beat writer, but uh, certainly as the father of a young kid, know full well family help is critical um i think Wentz got hit more than 10 times once last year i mean holy hell is that not the most damning stat in the world like you don't compare him to rivers hits rivers getting the ball out you know before you can breathe um is that going to be natural though considering he does hang he he can make plays with his legs well, yeah and you know something i asked jeff saturday day is like this offense line's got to realize that they need to block they're blocking for a different quarterback so you have to realize it. And that's why the player downfield might have happened, you yeah, would yeah, imagine? Well, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I do think that's part of it. Um, and you can point to lack of practice time and just not fully realizing, you know, Carson's gifts. And obviously you're not live, live on those RPOs and things like that. But, um, I mean, I'm giving Wentz of what, a B minus B for that performance? Like, I, I mean, that dude was, I think what sums up his day yesterday Going back to the passer rating, mm-hmm. 102 for Carson Wentz yesterday. I want to say that was like 13th in the league yesterday when you base all the quarterbacks. So it was slightly above average. His highest passer rating since 2019, December 2019. That just sums up how bad last year was for him. Yeah. I mean, yesterday, I, I'm sitting there giving him a B minus, and he just had his higher, highest passer rating in 13 games. You know, it's like, whoa, man, last year was terrible. The Colts have got to take more off his plate in the sense of, like, you've got to help him with the run game and with the offensive line. You promised that for him. Um, He got it out. I think it was the fifth slowest I saw of any quarterback in the league. 
yesterday, get used to that. Like that's that's what Carson's going to be, and I don't think you are elite at wideout either to really like create that big time early separation. Yeah, and you do want to take some chances down the field. Um, the, the, the stat that really worries me is just he was fourth in. Um, and these are those next-gen stats that kind of take it to the next level or uh-huh. whatever. I'm sounding like I'm a you know, spokesperson for them. <laughs> Fourth and attended air yards. So, you know, basically how long your attempts are through the air. I mean, shit, at one point, Chris, it felt like half the attempts were screens. It's just like, you got to get a little bit more vertical, folks. Like, And that's how it was last year, too. Right. But, again, last year when you're 72% and you've got the run game to support it, you yeah. can buy. You don't have the run game to support it. This is where I just thought the play calling, like no sense of urgency to end the first half. I I, I didn't think the Colts did a lot of favors for Carson Wentz. So, um, you know, what, he had 10 completions in a row at one point. I thought he had some nice movement. Yeah. He's just kind of avoiding rushers, found Pittman over the middle on a nice play one time. Yeah, I'm not uh, – I think you walk away relatively encouraged by what you saw with Carson Wentz. Is it the high top flight quarterback play? No, but is it quarterback play that you can win with? Yeah, it is. And obviously, you want to see what you can do when you give him a run game and you give him more of an uh, of an offensive line there. So, um, I yeah, feel I, I did not expect it to be as consistent as it was for him. He clearly has a a nice relationship with Zach Pascal. Yeah, he's just. Old faithful man, both of two great grabs. By the way, that that Wentz throw, I know it was in garbage time, and if you have him on your fantasy team, you're happy. But man, that throw to Pascal on the second touchdown, hell, the first first touchdown was great too. I mean, kind of back a little bit of like his throw it to his back shoulder. Pascal makes a great adjustment to it and hauls that in. Um, you know, I would like to have seen one touch for Paris Campbell and three. I was gonna say, I was actually surprised with and good for Paris. He was hit right when he caught that ball. To hold on to that football, good for him. And going back to my earlier point, man, you know, Wentz has 38 attempts, 15 of those for the running backs. Like, you just you got to get a little bit more yeah. aggressive with that. Um, you know, the Campbell was, well, I think that was a play action. You know, kind of got behind the second level. You know, beautiful throw and catch. Great, great catch for him to hold on to it. But, uh, yeah, I uh, – I thought they treated him with too, too, uh, kid gloves or too much on. Okay. Well, those were things that Kevin liked and did not like. Obviously, a lot of us, you know, we can agree with, with what he's saying here. Let's jump into Twitter questions because this is where the fun happens every week. Again, if you want to listen or look at Kevin's uh, blogs, go to 1075thefan.com. If you have streaming services, you can listen to 1075thefan with the app with Kevin in the morning show. This first one comes from Jeremy. Did Quiddy play pay today? Did Quiddy pay play? That's hard to say. Play today. We were at the game and didn't see him do anything. Um. Yeah. You know, what do you have? I got the stat sheet in front of me. I'm guessing three, four tackles. He had three tackles. He did? Yep. Oh, you, you got three tackles, one tackle for loss. Yeah, one tackle for loss, and he recovered the uh, fumble. Um, great punch, by the way, by, by Leonard. <laughs> and, it, it is pretty amazing how good he is at that. And he was in there for what could have been a sack if uh, Metcalf didn't go offsides. Yeah, I, I'm not. I, I'm not going there. I, I think Dwayne Brown knew that pretty early, and he just kind of said, I, I, "I saw the play was blown dead." I know there there are some people commenting about that on on, on Twitter, and I'm not. I'm not going there. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was tough sliding for him. You know, to me, for that third down group to be really dynamic, Chris. I think you need Kamoko Terry out there. I just think he gives you more of the pure fastball. Mm-hmm. I, just don't, I know Terry's got these great, or uh, Pay's got these great testing numbers. I'm just not sure if it's the pure fastball. I think he sets you up with some power, and then he shows speed, and you're like, oh, boy, I didn't know he had that speed. But uh, to be fair, Chris, I mean, you know, he went from, I don't know, he went from playing, you know, God bless him, South Grove, Riverside, and Coffin. Great, you know, great indie parks, golf courses, and I know probably <laughs> half of them I just named are closed, but. I still love them. And then all of a sudden they go, here, man, here's Wolf Ron. Here's Victoria National. And 5% of our listening audience will understand what I just said. But, um, yeah, 6 o'clock basketball in a JV game to 730 varsity. Yeah. 
Dwayne Brown is a really, really good tackle. If you would ask me before the game, you know, people gave me pushback on at Bears and Bowen. I said the under on Quiddy Pay sacks, six and a half. I mm-hmm. we, yep. What we threw up there, I just it's just tough. It's tough for rookie rushers. I mean, hell, you know, Buckner one sack, and was that was that Buckner's only hit? I think it might have been. I don't know. I can't recall any other hits for. Okay, he had one more hit. Um, you know, I mean, that's a that's an all pro playing against you know interior guys that you really haven't heard too much of. For the Seahawks, so Chandler Jones almost broke that in one game yesterday. Yeah, quiet, quiet certainly from uh, from Quiddy. I don't think the Rams' O line's too vaunted though. I can't believe Whitworth is still in the league. That dude's. I swear they popped up this picture last night. He looks fifty. Great player, better man off the field, but great player. Uh, Matt wants to know, do you think Philip Rivers bailed out Frank Reich last year in terms with adjustment at the line? It felt like Carson Wentz, going to give him some slack here because it is his first game, could not adjust at the line. We may see some warts in Frank's play calling. Matt, it's a really interesting point. Um, Matt, send in more questions. That's that's pretty insightful there. Um, you know, I think Frank is pretty honest. Frank basically is like, all right, our quarterback's going to have a whole lot, a whole lot of discretion at the line scrimmage. Then we're going to give you about a dozen plays where you got to get us in the right play. Mm-hmm. Like you're going to see something, you've got to make sure that you correct it or stick with it or whatever. Um, and I know that was kind of a contentious thing in Philly. You know, at times they felt like Carson had too much control of the line. But Frank, Frank once, I mean, Jacoby. Uh, yeah. Uh, I almost said Tolzien. Tolzien wasn't with Frank. <laughs> um, obviously, Andrew. You know, Philip. You know, the, the, those guys all had. Ample control at the line of scrimmage. So, uh, is that the former quarterback in Frank? Does he just trust yeah, those guys? Yeah. You think? That's a good question. Yeah, I, I that that's my goal, or that, that's, that's not my goal. That's not what I meant to say. Um, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and I do think you know, part of that's just a little bit of how you got to operate in the NFL. Mm-hmm. The headset goes off, and until you become, you know, college football, and you look over and see. By the way, I forget what game I was watching the other night, and they look over. They, uh, I think it was Washington. They, they flashed the sideline. Did you see this? No. Washington had Tiger Woods' DUI picture. On one of the four squares? Yeah. yeah. Uh, they, they, they didn't have four squares. They only had one. Just Tiger. I mean, just looking <laughs> horrific. I'm thinking, obviously I'm yelling at the TV. Maddie's like, I already made a Rosie cry one time during the Notre Dame game. Vehemently yelling that you know, we're going to lose to Toledo. And I had to hold her for the final few minutes of the game to get her to calm down. But, um... I'm yelling at the TV like that is inexcusable. I hope Washington loses every game the rest of the year. What do you think that means? Like, Tiger DUI picture. Uh, probably something. We're, like, we're probably, driving. Continue we, to drive. <laughs> gosh, that's one way to put it. Um, yeah. I don't know if, like, punts. We're going into jail. I, I don't know. Jailbreak. I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. Anyone knows that. That's, uh, yeah, that's, no, I did not see that. That's tough. Yeah, it's a tough look for Eldrick. Um, Stanford better use that as motivation when they're playing Washington. Oh, yeah. But anyways, Matt, um, I, I, yes, you can look at it as kind of bailing the play caller out. Uh, but I think at the same time, you know, Frank, part of it is you're coaching Monday through Saturday. You know, are you explaining to Carson, hey, these are the looks. This is how you need to look at those looks and, and make the adjustments there. And, um, that's a good question. Loyal listener Wake Spike uh, chimes in, Hey, KB and Chris, which was the bigger problem against the Seahawks, the left tackle play or the defensive backfield? Both. <laughs> yeah. I, can't. I, I didn't get the lack of help to Davenport. I just I, I didn't get like not even chips. You know? Yeah. I, mean, I, I just that that to me was just yeah you know, scratching the head big time there. Um, but I would say defensive backfield just because like you expect more out of your safeties. You know, no big plays that literally that probably should be like branded on Matt Eberflus's forehead. I mean that's think about it. They are all like we'll give up seventy percent. We'll give up set. We'll give up the Deacon Dumplin. Nothing's getting over our heads. You know? Yeah. I can just see it now, Brad Bone coming out of the dugout back in the day and telling the outfield, there's nothing over your heads. You mm-hmm. know? I mean, second and 20, 50 seconds ago in the first half, that's literally, I mean, if I'm Eber Flus, I'm, they got to peel me off the field to yell at Julian Blackman, Kari Willis, 
And by the way, Blackman and Willis, you talk about football IQ. I mean, you put them very high up there on the team with that. Um, yeah. God. It's tough. The day after a loss is always tough. No, no, I, I haven't been. I haven't, I'm not used to this. This one comes from Ryan. I don't know if it's Ryan Bowen. Um, I don't think so. Hey, hey. <laughs> it was nice to meet Ryan Bowen last week uh, at Beers with Bowen, though. Hey, Kevin, was it just me or was the play calling on offense that seemed to be somewhat uncreative and predictable? Thought Frank and Carson Wentz getting the ball out quicker, like last year with Phillip Rivers while creating space for his receivers and the running backs to get open in the field like we saw. Obviously, that's just that just didn't happen. What are your thoughts, and thanks for the podcast. You know, Wright said that uh, he would have to rein some things in with Carson. Um and I, you know, I, I just feel like when you're playing the Seattle Seahawks, it's kind of a loser mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I talked about earlier, no touches for Campbell in a real creative sense. Yes, he had the one catch, but no, you know, jet sweeps or screens or anything like that. Hell, I don't remember a single wide receiver screen. Uh, I definitely remember a whole lot of running backs. I'd like to see some no two back looks. And and just so scared at the end of the first half there. I mean, you got the ball back. You got two timeouts. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I thought they could have maybe dialed and, something up. And look, are you are you going to do a whole lot in that situation? Probably not. No. What it? Uh, okay, thirty-seven seconds to go. Yeah, yeah. Two timeouts left. Incomplete to Hines. I want to say the second play was a screen to Hines, and then they ran down the clock to eight seconds to go and threw some dinker to Doyle, and then went for it on a fourth down. Yeah, fourth it's like, like what is going on here? Um, yeah, I just – that's what I was disappointed. Having said that, Ryan, I mean, when your offensive line's that bad in some big moments, like, you got no prayer. I mean, the fourth and two, like, how did we not just walk away from that play and talk about the Braden Smith getting smoked? Just absolutely smoked. You know, sometimes that's what happens. Um, the QB sneak. You know, I heard Rick Venturi, and I, and I love Rick, and, you know, he said the Colts got too cute there. I'm like, what's cute about a QB sneak? <laughs> Yeah. You know who did do a good QB sneak yesterday a couple times? Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby, I, I tweeted it. Don't take him, don't take him for, for granted. Uh, yeah, Miami's got New England's number. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just thought, I you know, simply, you know, drop the snap and move on. But there you go. Here's a question from David that I saw a lot on Twitter yesterday. In terms of Marlon Mack, he knows that you have him as the fourth running back on the depth chart right now. We couldn't create a lot of things up the middle, so why not play Marlon Mack and have him bounce to the outside instead of squeezing through smaller openings? And was the defensive line for Seattle just that good, or do we need to just shake the rust off? You know, I thought uh, something knows well. I thought your tight ends didn't block very well. Yeah, I saw Jack and Mo and Kylan Granson getting beat on Bears, so I don't want to put it all on the O-line. Uh, but I also thought, just in general, Seattle controlled the line of scrimmage. You know, David, I, I know this might sound harsh, but you guys have certainly heard me talk about it for about the past month or so. I, I'm not putting Marlon Mack in the game. Like, I'm I'm totally good with Jonathan Taylor and Naeem Hines getting as much work as they did. Uh, and I put Wilkins in in the game. I, I frankly am kind of glad that Frank was that committed to Taylor and Hines. I thought he just naturally, and a little bit of Scotty Montgomery, the running backs coach as well, I thought they'd be like, oh, let's rotate backs in, you know, mm-hmm. give everybody work. I mean, Marlon Mack didn't play a snap yesterday. Not Oom. Not one. Nope. Not Oom. Jacob Eason, no snaps. Duh. Marlon Mack, no snaps. Bo Pete Keys, no snaps. I'm shocked that you see a corner not play a single snap. And then uh, Chris Reed and Joey Hunt. That's weird. Five guys don't play a single snap, all dressed. Yeah. Seahawks only had one. Geno. Geno Smith. I didn't realize Geno was their backup. I saw that. I saw him on the sideline. I was like, still in the, still getting that paycheck, baby. Yeah, man. Good for him. <laughs> I feel like he's been in Seattle for a minute, though. He has. Um, yeah, I uh, Marlon bounced went to the outside. Guys, I don't know how much you saw the preseason and training camp, but I'm just I, I didn't see the same Marlon Mack. I, I I just didn't see it. So I know his running style might be a little bit different, but um, I think there's a reason why he didn't play. Okay. From powers that be, ranking the biggest issues from the loss, or rank the biggest issues from the loss, I should say. And tell us how much of that is immediately fixable. One thing on the previous question. I think Marlon Mack really is dressing Chris for, like, an injured injuries scenario. 
you know, if like Taylor goes down. Just in case, yeah. You know, you want to keep Hines in his normal role. You plug Mac in. Okay, uh, give it to me again. Rank the biggest issue from the loss and tell us how immediately fixable that could be. Well, um, you know, O-line. Um, I would feel better about the O-line, Chris, honestly, if it was more free rushers and more, like, stunts. Like, that to me is communication that you can kind of clean up. I mean, I just saw dudes just beating dudes. Yeah. God, Donald and Floyd and you know, whoever else on that Rams D line. I mean, Dunlap just bully ball. Yeah, um, and then to me defensively, you know, it, it's just kind of the same old defense. Just how many times last year did it seem like defense really struggled, and then you know, turned it around the second half, and your offense played better, so you won the game. That kind of covers up the defensive issues. Yep. I mean, I'll say this: I think there's a massive drop from your two biggest worries to whatever's next on the list. Like, if you're going to list, you know, Kevin, give me five reasons why the Colts lost the game yesterday. O-line one, defense one A, and then, yeah, I, I don't even, what an awful uh, sound effect to like, Last year, yeah, and that Puna Ford, he's so funny to watch. 97, mm-hmm. 511, three, whatever he is. I mean, he's running around there like what, what one of the plays of the game was that screen to Taylor in the red zone, third and goal, and they throw it to him. And I'm watching the press box, I'm like, that's a touchdown. I thought the same sudden, thing. I think it was Hyder 51. He just dives out of nowhere and trips up Taylor. I'm like, wow, I thought Seattle's defense could run, yeah, Thank, I mean. Pete Carroll, John Schneider, they know what they're doing. I thought the exact same thing. Even going, even fans are still in town. Have you walked around downtown this morning? No. Oh my gosh, they're everywhere. Maybe the Tuesday flight's a little cheaper. Yeah. Like, <laughs> do, do you not work? I mean, I, I mean, I guess you work worse. The atmosphere was great, though, right? I thought, honestly, for a quarter and a half, I thought it was one of the best I've heard Lucas Oil in a long, obviously a long time. But um, yeah, you know, I, I I've said this before, and I, I have no problem. I've never thought Lucas Oil was a raucous environment, but I thought it was really good. Good. And. and and I'll be curious to see what it is. I mean, this is a great home schedule. Yeah. Great home schedule. You're going to see this. Obviously, a huge game with Tennessee on Halloween. You're going to get the Bucks in your building. You're going to get the Patriots in your building. Mm-hmm. Hell, the Texans in your building. The, the, the AFC South leading Texans. So, yeah, I thought um, – and, and great work by the NFL, the 9-11 tribute. Just awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that later in yeah. the podcast. Just, 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 yeah. I mean, the league, you know, isn't perfect in a lot of things. Boy. Hard to argue with anything they did there. But the way that they honor people in market, they yeah. they know how to do that. They do. They do. Um, and by the way, like Kevin just said, with the home schedule, if you are in town, Georgia Street tailgates, go to 1075thefan.com, go to the event page. We have Georgia Street tailgates presented by Bud Light every home game for the first six. So if you're in town, come down Georgia Street, $3.16 ounce uh, Bud Lights, music, games, food, entertainment, all that you could want. Bumping. Bumping. Oh, and it's, you know, it's emceed by your guy. King. That's right. All right, from Bailey, thoughts overall on the defense? Seems like we always start off slow and then pick it up in the second half. What's going on there? Yeah, I just, you know, awful starts and then people only remember the second half. I don't, I, I wish I had an answer for you. Um, you know, I thought at times it did a decent job on the contain on Wilson, but that didn't last. I mean, he, he's got to be perimeter. Now, you're going to see a totally different animal on Sunday. Obviously, it'll be similar offensive system. Shane Waldron came from the Sean McVay yep. tree, but a you know, much different style of quarterback. My, my power went out about 845 last night. Stayed out for about three hours. Just brutal. Oh, well, that's helpful on your biggest day of the year. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't know we had this many candles in our house. Rosie's just a legend. We slept right through it. Um, so, I only watched about the first quarter, quarter and a half of the Rams game, but, boy, from what I saw, don't feel good about my Bills Super Bowl pick. Feel feel decent about my Rams. Yeah. Yeah, they made Peters look pretty bad there for a second, but it is what it is. Conroy wants to know, why is the Colts seemingly, or why did the Colts seemingly always run to Julian Davenport's side? This seems suicidal. Well, I mean, let's be fair. You know, Julian Davenport's side is also Quentin Nelson's side, so. True. 
Yeah, I, I go back to that. I feel like the tight ends got beat. I didn't notice a ton of, you know, run block beats over on that side, but I'll go back and take a closer look. Damon and Craig both kind of have similar questions in regard to the def- the defense. They want to know in terms of the decision not to play a lot of starters in the preseason. Should that have been re- should that be reevaluated because there just didn't seem a lot of sync and lack of intensity. Um, and also, I felt like last year that Philip Rivers got the ball out way faster than Carson Wentz. You know, I thought um, one thing. No, I thought there was just a, and you can really tell this when you're in the building. I thought there was some pre-snap communication issues as well. Just kind of like guys late getting lined up, and you know, Frank took a timeout that one time. Just not typically stuff that you see. Um, but yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys know full well where I stand on this. I, I think it is. Um, I think it's such a mistake of how they've operated and handling the off seasons. I, I, I really, really do. Um, I get it. The players clearly did not want to do anything in the spring. Um, and if you're Chris Bauer and you're Frank Reich, I think you've got to say, guys, look at these first five games. Mm-hmm. We've lost seven straight openers. I get you don't want, to, don't want to do anything in the spring. When we get back on the field, come Grand Park, we got to do a little bit more. We need you guys to play a little bit in the preseason. You know, whatever, please. They need to make, but there are a lot of teams that did do minicamp, that did do offense, defense stuff in the spring. The Colts did not. I had a teacher. I told the story on the um, on the morning show. I had a teacher at Clay Junior High named John Davis, absolute legend, and you know you uh, and just you know old guy. What, what was it? Uh, tech or I don't know. You know we were making paper airplanes or <laughs> modules and all this, all this machinery stuff and yep. whatnot. And, you know, you have had kids out fail tests or, you know, their bowl wouldn't look like a bowl or I don't even know if we were making bowls. Whatever we were making, not smoking bowls, you know, bowls to <laughs> eat out of. And John Davis would just look at these kids and, he, and he'd always have this very monotone voice and he would just say, what did you think would happen? <laughs> and it's like the definition of insanity. It's like you keep on doing the same thing over and over again. What did you think? Like, it's kind of how the Colts in these season openers are. Mm-hmm. Nothing changes. You know, the, the, the faces change, but, like, they handle things in the same way. And I'm like, boy, I feel like I've asked this question every single offseason after every single week one, and no one wants to point to how the offseason has transpired, unfolded. I'm just like, all right, 1-15 Jags, or some of these times they've just gotten blown out, too, of these openers. Yeah. I think back to that Buffalo game, all the Super Bowl hype, you're playing out there the first game of the season, and Rex Ryan just, just owns you. And then... I, I, I didn't realize this until I looked it up. I forgot that they started 0-2 for four straight years in, in there, 2014, 15, 16, 17. Now, you've split these last couple of years, but obviously, yeah. if you believe Vegas, you know, 0-2 is what you're looking at right now. I thought I saw four, four and a half. Is that what you saw? Rams, early favorite? Probably. I would I would guess that's probably up there. Um, quickly, back to back – to, uh, those questions real quick, not only about Philip Rivers getting the ball out, but Carson Wentz taking his time and taking the play clock down to about one or two seconds. Yeah, again, is that some of the communication issues that they were talking about? Is that, you know, first time seeing a defense and you're trying to make changes and whatnot? I don't think Seattle's too exotic in what they do, but yeah, I I, I definitely noticed that, you know, a little bit more than I've noticed it in the past. And, and literally, like, I think we should probably realize, and Carson Wentz is a smart dude and knows knows the system for the most part. Mm-hmm. Philip Rivers in the point one percentile in terms of quarterbacks and mental capacity and handling that and processing it. So, you know, sooner or later we probably have to stop comparing them to Rivers. Yeah, congrats on him for apparently just being a great high school football coach already, yeah. man. Fowler, what are your thoughts on the Colts' contracts? A lot of contracts and money coming up in terms of Naheem Hines. This contract that he just signed will be up as well as Michael Pittman, Jonathan Taylor, Quiddy Pay. What about cornerback? What do we do there? Yeah, there was another question that David asked about Leonard's contract. And, and yeah, I mean, Leonard did not look like a $100 million linebacker yesterday. Definitely not. Um, you know, roster building, I always feel like it's just kind of a big, big debate. And, and I, I don't know. I, I don't know, like, how damaging it's going to be because it's not like Chris spends a whole lot of money in free agency anyways. Um, in general, yes, your money's going to be – It'll be tighter. Uh, but, like, on your roster right now, what corner are you paying? Mm-hmm. You know, sooner or later, you're going to have to draft a corner relatively high, and that corner's going to have to work out as an outside corner. Like, that that's just how it's going to be. Um, 
But, you know, I just think it's expectation and standard. And with what Jim Irsay's done for Chris and, and Frank and what, you know, Chris has obviously done the Jerry Slutter and Braden Smith contracts and now Hines, um, who I thought was fine yesterday. Like, they're just – there's a bar that's been raised there, and now it's time to meet them. Let's stay there with Chris Ballard and Frank Reich with a question from Louisiana guy talking about yesterday's debacle. At what point do we start to blame Chris Ballard, the lack of cornerback depth and the pass rush, and and when do we also blame the scheme and lack of adjustments? Chris Ballard and Frank Reich got extensions, and Louisiana guy personally feels like that could have waited. We always have the most cap almost every year, but we continue not to go after the free agent market. People say it's one thing. People say it's one game, but what happens if we drop to 0-5? It's just frustrating overall and how lost and outcoached we continue to look. Yeah, um, you know, I've never been a fan of the scheme. I think I've made that clear. Uh, I felt like cornerback was a position that you could have addressed additionally, not just bringing back Xavier Rose. And obviously Chris has made some moves here lately because uh, he doesn't love what he's got at the cornerback depth right now. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't expect this team to start 0-5. And, and, you know, I'm not, uh, I, I, I'm not in full-on panic mode. You know, I thought yesterday was was ugly, very ugly. Um, but I'm not in, you know, whatever. You know, you're draft. Somebody called in the show today, and like, yeah, they're gonna go four and thirteen. You're drafting the top five. Who, who do you want in the top five? Like, <laughs> yeah, like, let's not go there. Schedule's tough, but boy, you know, if they go four and thirteen. Then, yeah. Jeez. Question from Scotty, and I know we got a little bit of a pushback last week talking about it, but it is, it is something that's going on right now in the NFL and across the nation. Hate to go back down the COVID road, but I got to ask if Carson Wentz misses three games or more because of COVID, but plays well and the Colts miss the playoffs because of it, is it up? Is that on Frank Wright for picking him up? And how hot will his seat be if so? I mean, gosh, it's a very just like specific, specific scenario that I just can't see unfolding. Um, I mean, sure, a little bit, but like, I mean, when this trade happened in February, you think Frank Wright? First off, you can't talk to the player. Um, you know, is it really going to be like? Did Chris Bowden really sit here and be like, "Well, we're, you know, I don't know when I, I'm trying to think when I got vaccinated. April, maybe I got a, I got vaccinated. Like, do you really think it was like, all right, well, I don't think he's going to take the vaccine. <laughs> like, was that really a conversation? Like, I, I don't know. I, I don't know if I should laugh about that, but. Um, I just can't imagine that being, like, a huge difference maker. So, and, like, did we obviously think that the Delta variant was going to arise? Like, it's risen. I mean, like, there's so many factors to that, Scotty, that I'm not going to go there. Simply, if Carson Wentz doesn't work out, and if you don't work out as a team, yeah, that's on Frank Reich. But I'm not going to get into the whole, Frank should have known that Carson wasn't going to take the vaccine back in early February, and the Delta variant was going to be here in the U.S. Like, you know. I went to a wedding in April where whatever, it seemed like nobody was wearing a mask or cared about it. Then I went to a wedding a few weeks ago and it was much more of a messy mm-hmm. topic. Like predicting this is yeah, freaking possible. Question from John. Let's say the Colts are seven and three or eight and two at the trade deadline and looking like a contender. Every position group is looking great except for the outside corner. Do you trade the first slash second rounder that we kept from the Eagles for a disgruntled corner, and if so, are you going after a guy who's more man or zone cornerback? No, no. First off, John, I don't. I'm sure you sent this in before Sunday, but uh, no, I, I'm not mortgaging everything like that, Chris. I mean, that is that is chips squarely in the middle of the table, jumping up and down like we're the Rams. Watch this, Rams. No, and also this defense just doesn't view corner in that light. They just don't. They they, they simply don't. And obviously, you would you know what are you playing to for your defense unless there's an epiphany. It'd be more of a zone, you know, corner than a than a man corner. Mm-hmm. So no, not happening. Back to cornerbacks. Praying for a quick recovery for Xavier Rhodes. Until then, this is from Ben. Has our secondary depth issue reached a point where we need to acquire someone? Obviously, Chris Ballard would hate to give away more draft compensation, but with all due respect, it seems like the MMA Rocky scene. Love that comment there. And undersized Kenny Moore to lock down A.J. Brown and Julio Jones twice a year just won't cut it. Just ask Tyler Lockett. I'm sure he would agree. Oh boy. Well, uh, is there some snark in there? Yeah. <laughs> MMA, just, you know, the just throwing them down. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, obviously, two cornerback waiver claims. The starters are fine. I didn't really think Rock was an issue on Saturday for on Sunday for what it's worth. But man, you do have some loaded wideouts in this game. Yeah, you start looking at it, and it's um, they have tried to acquire someone. I don't think like the big name corners or you know these big name corners like they understand how it operates. They're gonna wait till yeah big time and Jeff Akuda just whatever tore his Achilles in Detroit. All right. You know, I have played in that similar system. That is guaranteed playing time. Boom. When Xavier Rhodes gets back, Kenny Moore and Xavier Rhodes are on the field for every single snap. Mm -hmm. Rocky C played every snap on on Sunday. Like, that's what that means when you're the second corner. And then, obviously, Rock is going to be your third corner for the time being. So, there's just not playing time. Now, when you get into a fourth and fifth corner, that's where more of the questions come into play a little bit. And and I, I still stand by it. I just... I don't love the scheme, and certainly how they tried to execute the scheme on Sunday was an abomination. Yeah. Quick shout-out to TJ Carey. Nice play on that that third down pass. That was. Man, that was. Boy, Buckner was right in Wilson's face, too. Gosh, that that, that could have been a backbreaker. Mm-hmm. If Lockett would have hit on another one. Right? Yeah. All right, three more from Jake. Worse O-line play, Colts or Notre Dame? Oh. <laughs> Jake, probably both, man. Notre Dame's O-line sucks right now. I mean, I knew they've got. I think they've got four rookies playing in the NFL right now off their own line from last year, which is obviously very commendable. As a, oh yeah, as a um, program, but you're just used to like they reload on the O line. Mm-hmm. They do it every year. And they're like a Wisconsin, just keep yeah. plugging guys in every single yeah, year. Just, and they're down to their third stringer, and yeah, he looks like Julian Davenport. It's just and the Avon kid, Blake Fisher, got hurt, and they, they did start a true freshman at left tackle, which you know Ronnie Stanley never did that. Zach Martin never did that. Mm-hmm. That's Michael Lynch, I mean, that's pretty rare. Yeah, Notre Dame's O-line. I mean, they, they could legitimately lose to Purdue. And I would have never, never said that two weeks ago. Can you believe Purdue won by that much on the road? Dude, I said UConn is awful. Well, at least your Fighting Irish won. Tennessee Volunteers, not, not so hot. <laughs> I saw the tweet of the year that Bishop Sycamore's best uh, volleyball player is Matt Taylor's <laughs> I mean, how good is that? There are certain times, you know, the internet can suck sometimes, especially with the trolls, but then there are other times where you're like, you know what, I'm glad we have the internet. <laughs> there are so many funny people out there. From Jason, beyond obvious factors like general health and COVID, what details do you see being responsible for the vision going the Colts' way? Well, Jason, I... I you know, this might sound snarky, but the AFC South sucks. I mean, it's the worst division in the AFC. That helps. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a big thing. And, like, I mean, look at the Titans schedule. You know where Tennessee's going on Sunday? I don't. Who do they play? Seattle. You know, I mean, the Colts and the, and the Titans play the exact same schedule minus, I want to say, the Colts have the Bucks, the Titans have the Saints. So the Colts kind of lost that. I don't know. James looked pretty good. And then um, in the AFC, you know, the Colts play the Raiders. And uh, I guess the Ravens were finishing second in those respective divisions, whereas the Titans will play the Chiefs and the Titans play the Browns. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean Titans got Who both looked great yesterday. Yeah. Titans got a tough schedule. So, um, what details do you be responsible for the Vinco and Colts play? I mean, Tennessee kind of showing some of the inconsistencies that we've seen. Usually they're like 9-7, and 10-6. It's not like Tennessee's been 12-4 and four under Vrabel. Um, and then, obviously... You know, Houston and Jacksonville ended up being the teams that we think that they'll be. Yeah. All right, let's stay there. Last question from the podcast. Last year, the AFC South went 27-37. and 37. I keep hearing that the South will be worse, the Jags will likely win one more game, and the Texans can't get much worse than a 4-1 team. The Titans and the Colts will be in the hunt for the division. Will the division weaken from the top? I can see the Jags winning four to five games this year and the Texans winning about the same or even going three and five. It seems like every year there's a team that makes a run that no one expects. Are the Jags that team? Urban Meyer brings a new wrinkle to the offense. If you were ranking the quarterbacks right now in the division, by the way, would Carson once be third? No, he wouldn't be third, no. Uh, Again, Brian, it is a bad division. Um, There's a lot in there. Um, I think we just talked about the AFC South. Houston, Jacksonville, that's, that's JV ball. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not putting any stock into what Houston did on Sunday. Nice win, uh, but no, I'm not putting any stock into it whatsoever. And this division will come down to the Colts and Titans. And, you know, week three, I mean, if, if you look at Vegas, 
The Colts and Titans are going to lose this week. Two 0-2 teams going into Tennessee in week three. But the beautiful thing about the AFC South is think back to what? A handful of years ago when the Texans were 0-3 coming into Lucas Oil Stadium. And they're yelling to fire Bill O'Brien. And lo and behold, they win. And they turn their season around. Like, it's just a division where you haven't had to win too mm-hmm. many games to uh, get the home field, you know, for that first round of the playoff game. So, um, I'm not in uh you know, if you right now told me, you know, the Colts are, you know, percentage or odds the Colts make the playoffs, I still think they are a favorite to make the playoffs. I do. Um, I had them losing this game to the start of the year and bouncing back and winning this one coming up on Sunday. That might look foolish, but uh, this team has responded well. And obviously, if you can get Fisher back and we get Rhodes back, huge. And just the fact that Wentz looked as good as he did, gotta think that wins out in the end. But yeah. Who knows? You know, maybe that was the aberration for the quarterback. Well, that's all we have for Twitter questions. Do you want to talk again about? I mean, I know you and I are both patriotic. How was how was that nine uh, twelve memorial yesterday? Yeah. I, again, I thought it was it was um, yeah chills chills. Frankly. Um, you know, both my brothers-in-law went to the game, and you know, I was talking to one of them, and just said he couldn't believe how um, how incredible and just silent the entire stadium had mm-hmm. at that moment. It was actually kind of just a touching moment. He's got a five-year-old, soon-to-be five-year-old son, and you know, watching those images on the jumbotron. I mean, obviously that kid has no idea what's going on, and yeah. that really hits home to you. And um, yeah, I mean, I I'm a, a big like U.S. history person, and like geography and mm-hmm. wars and all those things that kind of get uh you know sucked into a lot of that so i i watch a lot of documentaries and whatnot on it and um yeah it's just incredibly incredibly tragic and something that we'll never forget our ages being what sixth graders i don't know what grade you were i was in. fifth yeah fifth grade when it happened and uh yeah the nfl i mean the fact that i assume everyone saw it, but those that didn't see it basically had um a woman uh, whose father died mm-hmm. uh, in the World Trade Center on 9-11, sing the national anthem from the memorial. And then you know, that followed, uh, you know, a bunch of just how they remember 9-11 and showed the images and showed video and audio from that day. And then how 9-12, you know, the U.S., the United States started to pick up pieces and move forward. And it was just really well done. I, I hope, I don't know if the NFL put it on their YouTube channel or what, but it, I hope they do. I would think so. They Spanned across the mm-hmm. league and, you know, showed close-ups of Dalvin Cook and Garoppolo and Carson and Russell Wilson and Kyle Shanahan and just a bunch of people um, and various first responders and whatnot. And we did a small, small tribute Friday to end the morning show, just a 20-second moment of silence to, to remember the 20-year mm-hmm. anniversary. So, um, yeah, I thought the NFL did a great job. Luke Rhodes carried the uh, American flag out of, of the tunnel for the Colts. The Army had a great tribute on Saturday. All the players carrying out American flags uh, for their game against Western Kentucky. So, yeah, it was a really, really touching moment, and obviously, great to have you know, sixty-three thousand in there to, uh, you know, to kind of soak that in. Yeah, well, always hate ending a podcast on a somber note, but it's something that we should yeah. respect and. Uh, Let's hope we get a win against the Rams. Yeah. Um, again, our coverage throughout the week, 1075thefan.com. Mm-hmm. And then the Fan Morning Show. If you guys have any questions on where to find that podcast or anything, just DM me or tweet at me, whatever. I'll point you in the right direction there. But uh, he's Chris Presley. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week, and we'll talk to you uh, next week. See you. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.